Welcome to uh, On Texas Football post-game show with uh, Inside Texas' uh, Bobby Burton, myself, uh, and Rod Babers, uh, the host of the Afternoon Drive Time Show in Austin, 104.9. Uh, Rod, uh, Longhorns lose tonight, 27-20. to 20. Uh, The team came out strong in the first half, particularly the defense, uh, but the offense did not get on track until the second half. Um, yeah, pretty much the running game, all right? Uh, Texas basically could never find any type of rhythm in the running game. We all knew without Bijan and without Rojo that that would be a regression, right? We knew that that would be some type of drop-off. But, man, this is as this is kind of like uh, Destiny's Child with no Beyonce or Kelly Rowland, man. It's non-existent. I thought it'd be like The Office, right, without Michael Scott. I thought it'd still be a little funny, still watchable. It was not. It was uh, that was dreadful. Um, talk about eighteen rushes for fifty-one total yards. That was um, that was real bad. Trying to get get a sneak peek at what the running game might be going to the future. But give it up to Washington. Washington actually does have one of the better rush defenses in the country. It was around thirty-third. So no disrespect to Washington, but I thought Texas would have some type of identity running the ball. They did not. They they. They basically forced Quinn Ewers to have to beat him. Um, and Quinn Ewers didn't play a bad game, um, but he didn't play well enough and efficient enough. And it wasn't all his fault, by the way, uh, for Texas to be able to win the game. I think that's going to be what a lot of Longhorn fans remember about this game is not Quinn Ewers throwing for 369 yards. It's going to be two drops uh, by Xavier Worthy. Uh, actually, three if you count the the one down the left sideline there uh, that went through his fingertips. So it was a I mean, really, two bad back-to-back play, bad back-to-back plays for Worthy, who had a good game otherwise. I mean, had one uh, one uh, drop in the first half, I guess, on a comeback. But look, I mean, we can't. Uh, you know, I think it's easy for us to sit here and say what would have happened uh, had Worthy caught that. Texas lost by one score, uh, but uh, you know, the the reality of it is, Rod is uh, I thought that Texas kind of – they didn't lose the game in the first half, but not being good on offense in the first half put them behind the, the eight ball, and they never could get that run game going in the second half because they were playing catch-up uh, for yeah. most of the day. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought Texas honestly ended up being kind of outcoached uh, all throughout the game, but I thought the defense had a really good game plan going up against Washington – they just, I mean, the dam broke at one point. You couldn't, you couldn't keep that offense to, you know, I think, I think 27 points actually was, to my opinion, that's exactly what they needed to do to keep them under 30 points to win the game. I thought they'd get more offensive support from Texas. They did not. Uh, and I think mostly because they couldn't run the ball, they couldn't control the game, right? That's what the running the ball is about. You can, can, you can run the ball, you can control the game a little bit. And, and actually Washington was able to run the ball some and be able to control the game, get some of those long drives together, right? And Texas never could really do that. And I think ultimately that hurt them, even though, like you said, you, you got your young quarterback in a rhythm. I, I'm glad that Sark made the quarterback, at least he made the passing game, I should say, more user-friendly. Um, they, they did have some deep shots, but the deep shots were well-calculated, and it was just off. I mean, it, and I hate to sound like Sark, but, yes, yeah, sometimes the guy wasn't catching it. Sometimes it was a bad throw. They could never really get on the same page to deep ball, which has pretty much been the trend and the storyline all year long with the deep ball. Uh, that's something they got to work on. But I love the way that Sark really did. You know, he made the the, the, the passing game really comfortable uh, and compatible for Quinn Ewers and his skill set. He didn't ask him to do too much in the passing game. Um, and I, I, I thought he played well, uh, but he didn't get much help from the other guys, especially Xavier Worthy. Uh, let me ask you this. I'm just going to go straight to the point when we talk about Xavier Worthy. Have you ever seen a receiver have this much trouble locating a ball downfield? Because he, he it, it's clear to me, Rod, it's not just one play now. He doesn't locate the ball well. Um, he, he just does not have a sense for it. What does that mean? I mean, is that is that eyesight? Is that not understanding how to play the ball deep? What is uh, the – what's the – because it's definitely an issue. Anything inside of him that's not online, he can run outside of him. But if it's inside of him, he can't. He can't feel his way back to the ball. It's like it's like he's not an outfielder. You know how an outfielder judges the can ball. Judge the ball. Yeah. Yeah. You can track it. 
Yeah, he just did really not well. do well with that. And uh, that's an interesting situation because he had a good game. I mean, productive. Texas, Quinn, you were spread the ball around. Uh, last catch, Casey Kane. Nobody would have thought this going into tonight. Casey Kane leading the Longhorns in receiving yards uh, after that long after catch. After that deep Hail Mary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, my, my thought process is, you know, what is what is it about – a player that can't do that. I, I don't know that I've ever seen someone struggle with it like Xavier Worthy does. Is it eyesight? I mean, is it something as simple as that? I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I really couldn't you know, put my finger on it either because it's been different things, right? Sometimes it's him getting kind of bumped off the tra- trajectory of his route. Uh, sometimes, right, it's him just not tracking the ball really well. Sometimes he just drops it. Sometimes he tracks it really well, gets it around the money, and just drops it. Uh, so it's something different every time with him. So I don't. I think it's more of a lack of focus with him. I mean, we've seen Xavier Worthy have you know those moments where it all clicks, it all goes right, like the Oklahoma game last year. Uh, and sometimes you can chalk it up to him just being young and inexperienced. Uh, but tonight, you really can't chalk up chalk it up to him being young and inexperienced. I just don't think he was focused. Uh, and I think he got distracted, whether he was frustrated with himself or frustrated with, you know, hit the, the quarterback being off on some throws where he thought he was open, right? The fourth down where uh, they, the RPO, they thought he was wide open and maybe he was, uh, but the ball was a little short or maybe a deep ball where he was open and he was short. I think that, you know, for Xavier Worthy, it's more about focus to me. Um, and unfortunately, I think he loses, he gets distracted and loses focus a lot for a guy that, that skilled. Uh, and unfortunately, it's it's hurt him a ton. Yep. Uh, someone's mentioning hey, he locates punts well. That's a different story because you're looking at the ball. You're not running away from it, right? Or yeah. running toward it. It's a it's a different skill. And you're actually having to maneuver around another person too, usually. Yep. Or another. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a little different. But it, look, I mean, Xavier Worthy is is one of the reasons why Texas didn't win this ball game, in my opinion. Uh, his his drop, yeah. uh, particularly on that. Uh, just that go route right up the right up the seam uh, would have been six points, uh, but it wasn't the only reason. Let's be clear. I mean, Texas got picked apart on defense again. Uh, it felt very reminiscent to me, actually, of the Texas Tech game, where Tech routinely had ten plus tr- play drives and just dinked and dunked down the field, making a play on third and nine or third and three or third and two. Uh, and then taking it to fourth and one. I think they ended up being 11 of 20. Um, is that right, Rod? But a couple of times they they decided not to. Uh, they ran the ball or something like that. But I felt like that was probably uh, part and parcel of it. Um, Jalen Ford uh, on that big run in the first half guessed wrong. Uh, he did not have a great game uh, this in this game either. Uh, was a, a really good player all year long, but just didn't seem to do well. Didn't seem to have an idea of what they were trying to do uh, against the run because they were so concerned with the pass. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, and that's crazy. Did you hear earlier this week when um, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago because they had the media availabilities when Keandre Colbert and Jalen Ford both said <clears throat> that the offense that most resembles the Washington Husky offense is the Texas Tech offense. Uh, it's eerily, uh, and you said it, it kind of reminded you of the Texas Tech game. And I agree with you. They they ran a lot of bunch formations. You know, one of the touchdowns ended up being a slant and in breaking route, something Texas Tech also did a lot of. Um, they also uh, ended up running uh, a lot of those uh, those in breaking routes, and when, and they ran and they ran a lot of the routes to the same area, the zero to nineteen yards. Some of those big completions on third down. They were in between the numbers, 0 to 19 yards, really going at that linebacker group there. Either Diamante, Tucker, Dorsey, or even trying to take advantage sometimes of, of, of the safeties getting a little too deep or taking advantage of Jalen Ford there. So uh, some of the same issues that have been uh, – that have plagued Texas in their passing defense all season long really came back to home. That's just watching good film. Um, and a lot of the same concepts – that have really hurt Texas really came back to home. You know, to use bunch formations, you know, the slants and the in breaking routes, they work really well against Texas because you can challenge their inside leverage. And uh, they broke off empty too. Uh, empty is something that works well, I think against everybody, um, but specifically against Texas, because 
you don't have to worry about their 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 pass rush as much because the ball's coming out quick and it nullifies their biggest strength, which is their rush defense. No longer. I got a stat for you when it relates to the defense. I, I've talked about this. There needs to be a playmaker on defense. Uh, Jalen Ford was that a lot of this season, I think. Yeah. He, he ended up being the playmaker. Uh, a couple other guys made plays throughout the year. Jade Barron tried to step into that role. I thought, thought he had a, a nice game again tonight as well. But they don't have anybody on the outside, on the edge, that, that can really attack the passer at this point. Um, let me give you a stat that's going to confound you, Rod. How many tackles for loss do you think Texas had tonight? Tackles for loss, not sacks. Um, man, two. Wow. Zero tackles for loss. That's how a team goes and has 12 plays, 12, 12 play drives, man. Um, 15 play drives. They get it to third and two and third and three because they're not behind the chains. And then when they did, I mean, I, to be fair, Michael Pittings is a good quarterback. Um, Man, he's got a gun. He did he a good a job, especially third and third and long was not a toss up for them. Uh, he they had an idea of what they wanted to do on third and long. Now Texas played well sometimes, but uh, legitimately, I, I thought that uh, that that's another one of those things. Not enough uh, plays in the backfield for the Longhorns. Just Man, Brooks had a nice jump, man. He got he's got to catch that. He's got he's got. I know. Listen, I'm not. I shouldn't be talking. Right? Listen, I, I'm the last one to be criticizing somebody about their hands. But I will say, in big games, big games, Robbie right? caught the ones in big games. It's a big game. I think Terrence Brooks should have caught that. He's a he, he can be a hell of a player, better player than me. So he should he should catch that. Hey, Terrence. This is a question. This is a comment I want to bring up because I, we're talking about other things. But uh, 5.3 yards per completion, he was mid on Michael Penix. What's your what's your comeback to that? Because I would say he was anything but mid. He wasn't perfect. Like, I'm not sitting, sitting here saying like those guys were, he should be the Heisman winner. But he was more than mid. He, he maneuvered that offense and was, uh, you know, he, he had Texas not knowing which way was up a lot tonight. I mean, yeah, I, and he not, a, not in a bad way for Texas. I don't think Texas was lost. Yeah. I just think he 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 had the goods most of the night. Yeah, I, I think that he just came up clutch in clutch situations. Um, and there was some throw. Hell, he didn't get some help, too. I mean, I, I, I remember a couple of drops from his guys, like a touchdown, too. We, he just put too much heat on it. <laughs> it, it was it was a guy making an NFL throw in a clutch situation, and he decided, no, nah, man, I, I'm not going to take a chance. And he put a ton of heat on that stat. I think it was either a slant route uh, down in the end zone, and his guy dropped it. But I, I'm with, I think Texas had a good game plan for him. Early on, they were just trying to confuse him, throw a lot, a lot of stuff at him. And Texas had him rattled a little bit. He had his longest incompletion streak of the season during that game early on. But I just thought he just showed that he was a veteran quarterback with experience, and he just stuck with it and made those clutch p- plays um, on those big time money downs um, and to keep those drives a lot, like you said, too. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't I don't think it was his most impressive uh, outing of the season or anything like that. But I do think that Michael Penix Jr. showed that he's got a next level arm. Um, and I think, you know, he's one of those guys going to be in the Heisman conversation next season. Hell, he yeah, he's not perfect. A- Look, yeah. he, he's not perfect, but I and I don't want to. There are plenty of quarterbacks that haven't been perfect that are yeah. really good. Max Duggan is not perfect. No. He's been a really good college quarterback this year. Yeah. So let's let's be clear about what I'm talking about. I'm not I'm not putting saying he's the number one future number one pick in the draft. No. Uh, but he's not mid either. <laughs> would be my point. Uh, you hey, you mentioned Terrence Brooks. Let's talk a little bit about this. Terrence Brooks had a couple of nice plays actually. Um Rod, uh you mentioned that almost pick. He also kept a uh, deep ball. Uh, oh, I saw that. Yeah. Did a good job there. Uh, Austin Jordan, another freshman, saw some time at corner. Uh, Ryan Watts, I don't know exactly what happened there. It looked like a broken forearm, but the way he was holding it. But I didn't his shoulder, shoulder came back wrapped up. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I thought it was his forearm, but uh, we'll get uh, some news on that if, if we find out. But uh, overall, I thought the Longhorns played reasonably well. It's just they, they didn't make the plays. I mean, the team that made the plays won. Uh, that shoestring catch, for example, Ooh. in the end zone. Wow. Uh, by Washington was a third down play uh, that that's a four point difference in that game. 
Texas didn't make the reception with Xavier Worthy, for example. And mm-hmm. and that's that's the end of the that's the that's the difference in the game, really. Um, do you think Sark should have tried more to run the ball? Because I, I know that a, a conversation uh, is going to be how come Texas didn't run the ball more? They should have run the ball more. Well, they were down 13-3. I've got to be honest. I don't think Keelan Robbins is, Robinson is much of a running back. I, I've used this term before with you. He's more of a boutique running back where <laughs> you, you know what I mean? But, 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 no, I know exactly what you mean. It's a perfect description. It's, it's like it's, a gadget. He's a gadget running back. And I'm not yeah. trying to be rude about no, it. I think he's a really good one, actually. Yeah. Um, and there are people that cash checks in the NFL as that, as that yeah. kind of guy. Um, but when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When he when you're going with him, I just don't think you're giving the running game that much of a chance, especially power on the interior. No, I I'm surprised. I thought Jay Brooks was going to start the game, and Keelan Robinson ended up being the guy. I I, I, I would <laughs> like your boutique term. I'll start stealing that. I'll give you credit, but I like it because it it gives a perfect visual for people that he's not necessarily a guy you would consider an every down player. Uh, you can consider him a specialty player, whatever. And I would, I thought that would be, I thought he would be kind of the, you know, the, the complimentary piece to Jay Brooks being kind of the focal point, adding in a little Jaden Blue. We didn't really get any of that. I was surprised we didn't get any multi-back sets. Uh, no 20, not that I remember, no 21 personnel, no 20 personnel. Remember during the season, guys, that was a big part of the offense. 21 personnel, Bijan and Rojo or Keelan, some combination of it. Matter of fact, you go look at it, their, their highest yards per play personnel grouping and most explosive personnel grouping is actually 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end throughout the entire season. You didn't see it at all. The Big 12 package, right, with the six offensive linemen they throw out there, I don't remember a sixth offensive lineman. I could be I could be off about that. Just throwing it out there. I don't remember much of it. I, no, and I got to say this, the very first sack wash or the first – pressure Washington had of the game was the, the defensive end beat two tight ends. <laughs> Andre Carriage, where are you? He's that would have been you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I got, we got to say thanks to our sponsor real quick, Laura Baker. Uh, Laura is an Austin real estate uh, specialist and professional. Uh, she and uh, the Andy Allen team at uh, Keller Williams are, are the people you want to go to if you're moving to uh, the Austin area or in and around the Austin area, uh, you can reach out to her at Laura at AndyAllenTeam.com for all of your real estate needs. Uh, she is a longtime real estate expert. Uh, we appreciate you, Laura, for your support all season long. It, it's been awesome to have you and uh, we appreciate you. Um, Rod, we, we go back and, and look at this um, and somebody's asking about the Texas rush defense. Is this a situation in your opinion where they said, okay, we've got to pick our poison and we're going to try to defend the box with six and hope hope our guys beat some guys and then they just couldn't at times. I do think if I go back and actually count, which I will when I track the game, I bet they did play with lighter boxes a lot of the times. Light or match the box, which means they just tried to match the guys. I, I, I think very rarely they ever stack the box or, you know, try to prioritize putting guys at the line of screen, stop the run. I think they did their best to try to disrupt the passing game for, for Washington. And I, I I thought Texas would, would do a good job with their defensive front because they're so deep on the D-line of being able to neutralize the run game, even with a lighter box. And honestly, that was somewhat flawed because they just missed some crucial tackles. Um, that allowed those big runs. And then that that touchdown run, oh, man, they that double team they put on, I think it was Vernon Broughton. It was, I mean, they they probably had him four yards back, Bobby. They probably had him. They ran him back into the, the linebacker and ended up blocking both of the guys. And it was a 
it was a gap that, you know, hell, Rod B at 42, I could have ran through. I probably, I wanted, I might not have scored, but I I got a chunk. I got an explosive play out of it. I mean, it was big. Yeah, I, I, I will say this. I mean, Vernon Broughton has had problems against the run all season long. Yeah. Uh, so that's not surprising. Uh, I thought Jalen Ford guessed wrong on that play um, as well. And then, you know, frankly, what was surprising to me is uh, the running back outran Ryan Watts down the sideline. Um, I'm not so sure that Ryan Watts has legit four five speed at this point, uh, Rod, uh, based on that. Based on that, not not trying to knock anybody, but I was like, wait a minute. You know, it, it, it is one of those things. Hey, um, question for you. You know, we, we talk about this, Rod, in, in uh, the game, uh, 27-20, Washington, uh, the Huskies defeat uh, the Longhorns. You know, how much of this game, you know, and you've been in bowl games you wanted to be in and bowl games you you probably wanted to be somewhere else, right? I remember those. Yeah, exactly. What do you think about that situation and the opt-outs that, that occur now? Uh and how that all plays a role uh, in in uh, college football. I will say this: it, it reminds me of a situation where, you know, you kind of Texas was leaning on Quint, the arm of Quinn Ewers tonight, whereas all season long they were a run-first team when they were winning, mm-hmm. and they leaned on Bijan and Roshan. And all of a sudden, in a bowl game, you have to flip a switch. What, what are your thoughts, though, as it relates to a, a bowl game that's not necessarily a marquee matchup, you know? I think as a college football fan, I'm starting to like it. It's it's a, it's a mystery. I mean, for every matchup, you really don't know how it's going to play out because all, most of the guys opting out are big-time players. They're really they're impact players. is why they're opting out because they want to play at the next level. And it's interesting to see, you know, how that affects the team, how it affects – you know, the chemistry, depending on whether it's offense or defense, how the coaches coach around that. Then you got that that spring ball element to the bowl game, right? So you got young players that you hope are stepping up. We just talked about Terrence Brooks. You hope are stepping up into that role that are that are now tr- start, hopefully, that are starting to, uh, you know, make those impact plays. And the one thing, though, that's interesting about Texas, and we talked about this a little bit in just some variation, you know, this basically felt like the end of this past season. It felt like Rojo and Bijan's team without Rojo and Bijan. That's what it looked like. And I it, it, I wanted to see the transition of it becoming Quinn Ewer's offense. And maybe this was a sneak peek at it. And they still got to fine tune some things and they got to get some more pieces. And maybe it will be that. Um, and I'm, and right now, like I said, he looked really good, and I'm fine with the way that's progressing. Um, but that's the way nobody took ownership. The, no, the running backs, the the offensive line, no, that no group took ownership of this game. The wide receivers from Texas, no group took ownership and said, no, 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 it's our team now. Yeah, I know it was Rojo and Bijan's group, and now we'll be the identity of the offense. We'll lead the way. That that never happened, and that's what you're looking for in this time period. The sneak peek for 2023 should have been. Man, that O-line, whew, man, it's going to be a problem for people in the future. Man, they're deep, and they they can run block, and they can, they're can they a decent pass blocking group too. Well, we didn't really get that. Right? We don't really think that the offensive line right now can be dominant on both of those, uh, you know, bo- in both of those categories. And when it comes to the wide receivers, well, we just start off the show complaining about the drops for the key guy, wide receiver one. They don't really know how to – utilize and maximize a guy like Jay Witt and JT Sanders, you know, sometimes I hate to say it, the best tight end in the big 12 can get lost within the offense, the framework of the offense. So it's not the receivers. It's not the running backs, obviously, um, because you lost too much elite personnel there. So the identity is Quinn Ewers. I'm glad he played well, um, but you still didn't find a way to win the game. That's the whole point of all this. Uh, So I think now you, maybe it's not an identity crisis, but it's a it's disappointing because you didn't make a successful transition for Quinn Ewers to be the guy for it to be his offense. Even though it's his offense, you still lost the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, and I think that you know, in fairness, Rod, I think that when you're you don't have a run game or you don't have you don't feel comfortable with the running backs really being the lead guys in the backfield. There's only one guy in the backfield that 
that had a lot of experience, right? Um, and so, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I felt like it was interesting. You know, I have another stat for you that's going to be, I, I got I to figure out and go back and look because I started trying to do it and couldn't figure it out. Uh, Texas went eight and five on the season. Yep. All five games, to all five losses by a score or less. That's, I mean. When's the last time a team, no, when's the last time a team lost five games in a season, only five, and lost five, all five by a score or less? So we glass half full or glass half empty about that? I don't know. I, I, well, I'm a little, I, look, I think good teams find a way to win. Um, that's, that's what I think. Now, uh, I felt like Texas played well late in the year, and I do think they started finding an identity late in the year. But the the early losses to Tech, Oklahoma State, and even Alabama to a degree um, were winnable games. I thought they got beat by TCU largely yep. because they couldn't move the football. Agreed. Uh, but every yeah, other game, right. every other game was winnable. This one, I don't know if this one was a you know Texas came back as much as anything. Uh, but if Worthy catches that ball, it's it's a one-score game instead of a two-score game, and they have the ball. And it's the punt block was weird. Oh, that was that a big weird. Play. Was that not strange? That was that's when I knew something. I was like, nah, something's off about this game. It was the first punt block all year. And Bobby, I thought they sent like eight, nine. Guys. They sent seven. They sent seven. They they Gunner Helm took the wrong guy. Yeah, then the loop. He went outside instead of inside. Yeah, created a pick and then he got a free. But I, that was weird. And I was like, ah, that was weird. That was strange. Yeah. It only hurts you for three points, I think, but still, you needed that. Yeah. Um, did we even get a stop with that first time out in the second half? Throwing it down, down the field on third and one and Brooks not getting more touches. Well, I mean, look, that was an RPO on the third and one to, to Worthy uh, or fourth and one. Fourth actually. and one. It was fourth and one. That's an RPO, and Quinn read it, and I, I'm not sure he read it wrong. Actually, he was uh, open. Because, yeah, he was he was open, but I'm I'm saying you'd think he would go run there, but I, I think Brooks would have been hit in the backfield because uh, they they had overlaid overloaded that that side of the line. So um, I don't know about the stop in the with the first half timeout in the second half. Actually, I do know they did not. They, they were fourth and two and went to fake punt. And Texas called the timeout. Uh, Washington then put Phoenix back on the field. And uh, Washington converted that fourth and two. Yes, they did. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that gives you another one. Uh, this game showed that Texas needs another offseason of development. Team has some great players, but still young. There is optimism for next year from Nick V. Um, I agree. I, I, I think that, look. They're getting better um, overall. Well-coached defense this year. Um, I do think they have personnel on offense, depending on who returns. Uh, I think Jonathan Brooks with a year, uh, an offseason will be uh, a guy. Uh, they've got some good young players coming in that are more physical maybe than the existing uh, personnel. So a guy like Cedric Baxter, some people are asking in the comments why Jaden Blue didn't get uh, many reps tonight. And I'll, I'll be honest, it's it's the same reason. He's very similar to Keelan Robinson. You think so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he's a between the tackles guy. So now, he's a little bit, he's a little bit better than Keelan, um, but not. He's still not. He's not what Texas needs if they're gonna if they're gonna have these big guys on the offensive line. In my opinion, road grading people. Yeah, I, I'm still a little disappointed that. I didn't see more creativity and innovation from Sark considering no Rojo, no Rojo, no Bijan. I expect to see a little bit more creativity. You know, I've always talked about how most uh, take the, take the big plays, right? The big, you can remember the big plays in your head. Cause they didn't have a ton of them in the game. The touchdown to Jay Brooks. Well, how many cheat codes did he have in that, in that touchdown, right? You had the yo-yo motion by Jay Witt. From the field to the boundary, and then comes back to the field. You had a play action pass fake to Jay to, to Jay Brooks um, before he sneaks into the flat. You also have uh, the missed the half roll. He gets because that Quinn goes with a half roll toward the field before he throws it back to Jay Brooks. You got three or four different working things within that one play. Ends up breaking. That's your big touchdown. And what I always say about Sark's offense, it's just an amalgamation and a collection of gumbo of cheat codes. 
and, 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 and force multipliers. And when you see fewer of those types of things in his plays, that means that to me, unless he's got a Bijan and a Rojo and just, just, which he does sometimes, he's got pure talent advantage, which is JT Sanders, a better athlete than yours, X-Men, a better athlete than yours. And then sometimes it's easy. My guy just beat your guy. But most of the time, that's the schematic advantage. And if he combines enough of those, he overloads the circuitry of the defense. They can't process it all quickly enough. And guys end up open because I remember Brian Harson once told me, he said, oh, man, you know, basically motion creates emotion. You know, the defenders, they get stupid when you start moving pieces around because they're taught to learn things in a very static way. And when Sark, when Sark does that, he's great. Remember putting Casey Kane in the backfield, just switching up the, you know, the responsibilities of the defense. He ends up getting a big play out of it. He's done that before with X-Men in the backfield. It also works, too. Like, it's, it's real simple things. The biggest play, the empty formation. Remember the Gunner Helm play? He motions, I think, Jay Brooks out to create empty formation. And then he ends up a delayed release for Gunner Helm. Boom. It, it, it's, it's frustrating because you see it with Sark, but you don't see it consistently. And it's almost, it almost feels lazy. And it's like, why don't I see more of those concepts combined? And that's to me from watching him and studying him. That's when he has his most successful place. And when you think about it, you watch it too. It's true. All of his best plays are similar like that. I want to say two things to that. If anybody has a tight end and goes five, it goes four wides with empty, basically, or just empty. I'm just immediately, if I'm the linebacker, I'm going to guard the tight end. <laughs> because every Washington did the same thing. They did. Let, let, they let's, did. Let's be, I mean, let, that is just a tell almost. <laughs> so that's number one. Second thing is, here's another one that they did that on tonight. Another play that, that, an example of Sark doing that. Worthy's drop was him out of the slot. It was he was he wasn't playing outside. You're right. He was like number three, I think. He was a third receiver. That's you're right. I, he was up against safety. I mean, yeah, I think so you're right about that. There, he hadn't done that much at all this year, by the way. Texas did not. And so, uh, my point being is that there's he did some of that, but if your guys don't make plays, Rod, I, that, that's true. I just want to see. It's a good point. You're right. That's it. May be a different game if, if X Man has a good game and he's focused. But I I think Sark needs to uh, overemphasize and he needs to be gratuitous with those concepts, those those types of plays, those cheat codes and force multipliers. When you don't have, can I give you a Bijan and Rojo? I, I I was doing research on Rojo and found out Rojo had a higher broken tackle rate in the last two years than Bijan, highest in the country, actually. He actually broke tackles at a higher rate than Bijan. And Bijan led the country this past season in broken tackles with 102, a pro football focus record. Those guys, they, they man, they raised so many bad blocks, <laughs> negative plays, and they would just make something out of nothing. And I'm not saying Texas won't have a good running game, but Sark should have recognized those guys are special and elite. They're both going to be drafted really high for running backs, right? And you should have been, I think, better equipped to give this offense a schematic advantage. That's what I think. You know what well, I mean? But I, I'm, but I'm not. I'm just saying, like I, in the running game, like I said, in the passing game, I like what I saw in the passing game. That's not Sark's fault in the passing game, really. But Let's more about the running game. Let me get your take on this. This chat is toxic. You had three true freshmen on the OL tonight. DJ Campbell and Cole Hudson split quarters. I think Campbell had the second and third quarter. Uh, uh, Cole Hudson played the first and fourth at right guard. A freshman quarterback, while Washington has a fifth-year quarterback and seniors across the board. Relax. Your thoughts, Rob? Uh, I mean, it's a loss. So, I mean, we're talking about an L. I, that's So, it, it, listen, I, my standard for Texas football is – is pretty high because I'm a I'm a player. Your standard as a fan is low. That's cool because you're a fan. I'm a player. I play. Bled for it, sweat for it. It's family to me. All right. So my standard is higher. It's okay. I can talk about my mama. You can't talk about my mama. <laughs> I got a personal relationship with Texas football. So it's, it's for me, it is personal. So that's that's okay. It's okay. We can have different standards and it's okay. So you, you it's okay. I, I can relax. It's all right. I'm I'm relaxed. I'm fine. 
but that's my standard for Texas is for them to be, you know, a great football program. And right now they're just an average to above average football program. And I think they're capable of much more. You don't think they're capable of much more. And those are your expectations. That's okay for you to have low expectations. I don't I have high expectations for the program. And that's fine too. Okay. Yo, are you talking to me or are you talking no, to me? No, I'm talking to the person. And that's, it, that's, it, that's fine. And I'm not trying to insult them. They, they, you're like, I'm saying, but we, we are, everybody should have their own expectations and these are mine. So don't insult my expectations. I won't yeah. insult yours. Yeah, I, I feel, okay. look, Rod, I think that there's a couple things here. I, I think that one, uh, you can look and you asked me this question earlier, glass half full, glass half empty, right? Yeah. I think that you can reasonably say that we think both of those things at times. Um, you and I both. Reasonable. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. that Quinn Ewers tonight played pretty well. You know, I mean, he, he did not have a, a bad game by any stretch um, when he was called on. Um, at the same time, you know, could he have made a couple more plays? Could he have been a little bit more accurate on key on key throws? Maybe. I, I, I think you look at the defense and they played really well the first half and then gave up three really long drives in the second half. Um, it, it, again, it's glass half full, glass half empty. I think it depends on how you look at it a little bit. Uh, yeah, but but it's, overall, it's I want to say this, Rod. Overall, you're right. It wasn't enough to come away with the win. Yeah, we're talking about taking. We're talking about taking the next step, right? And that's what we analyze. Like, why did they come up short? How did they come up short? And then next time, hopefully, there aren't too many next times we're talking about an L. We talk about whether it's the same mistakes repeating themselves because that's a problem and that's a coaching issue or if there are different problems coming up and how small they're. And, pro- and the truth is we're, we're talking, you know, less about these macro systemic issues with Texas. And we're talking to, and we're being nitpicky, right? We're talking about technique. And we're talking about specific plays here and there. We're not talking about um, complete, you know, meltdowns <laughs> uh, with one side of the ball in one phase. And that's what we were talking about last season. So we already know we've seen a ton of progress. But, I mean, we're, we're trying to, you know, trying to figure out how they get to the next level, how they take it to a championship level. Even this year, I mean, you guys admit you should have beat Bama. That's, I mean, we, we can't beat a shoulda, woulda, coulda university. Shoulda beat Bama, all right? end up losing to a team tech that I think Texas was better than tech. I think most people believe that Oklahoma state, look at that meltdown. Oklahoma state's meltdown should have started with you. It started after you. It should have been you. You should have started the Oklahoma state meltdown. And then we didn't because you came up short. Those two things cost you a big 12 title appearance, which cost you a chance at a title. These are the little small things. Listen, I remember I was a, I was probably 11 win team. Speaking of, Ruth, the last time Texas beat Washington or when they played them was when I played Washington in the Holiday Bowl. Bobby, I got, I hey, I got to tell you this, Rod. I saw you on TV more this week than I've seen you on TV in the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> you were getting a lot of play, hugging exactly. that giraffe white after that game. Yeah. And by the way, hey, I, I want to go to something else real quick, Rod. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go. All right. How much responsibility should lie with Brendan Marion that every single wide receiver has regressed? Marion. Uh, the wide receivers coach at Texas. I don't, every, first of all, I disagree that every single wide receiver has regressed. Jay uh, J- J- Jordan Whittington hasn't regressed. Yeah. So uh, Xavier Worthy may have uh, to, to a degree, although he had problems dropping the, dropping the ball last year as well. Um, and frankly, last year he didn't get thrown too deep near as much because they just didn't, weren't able to do that. Um, and so I don't know that that's the case. Furthermore, who else was even on the team that played this year? Tyreek Melton played a little bit. Casey Kane saw no time last year. Savion Red, Brennan Thompson, they weren't even part of the team. You're, you're saying they've regressed when in reality is there's only two players that were there last year that played this year. X-Men, yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's basically an X-Men regression, and that is true. X-Men has regressed. We all agree. There's oh, no- Whitt- Whittington has played better. And, and Jay Witt has played much better. And he's been durable. I think the biggest thing about Jay Witt is he's been durable. And I think he's I think he's underutilized. I think Jay Witt can do more to help the offense. Um, and I think you know once you feature him in different ways, he can be a, a lethal weapon for you on the outside. Um, but I also I 
you know, I think now because they de-emphasized the third receiver, because I'm with you, I think they were looking for that guy. Casey Kane was supposed to be that guy early on. Remember, they couldn't get any chemistry with Casey Kane, and then he had some setbacks. And we seen him today. Try, they try to feature him today, and he's back, I guess. Maybe it, it took him just the bowl practices or whatever. But JT Sanders really became that third receiver. Like, basically, he became uh, that third receiver within the offense. So, uh, I, And I think they got to find more ways to feature him. So I, I think they did a, a good job today just getting a quarterback in a rhythm in the passing game, which you're right. Those, some of those shots that were dialed up were meant to be daggers. They were meant to be death blows by Sark. Those are, you know, Sark's, I would call him a big game hunter. He's a big game hunter. And he's, he, he's even though he does, he's doing a better job of not chasing the deep ball earlier, even though he, I think the third play was a deep ball. <laughs> um, I don't think, I don't think they're destructive necessarily to the offense. I think he's doing a better job being judicious and taking his shots. Um, and he, he means for those to do psychological damage to the defense and also schematically to force them to adjust. And when you don't hit them, I will admit it, it's, it's debilitating. It really does. It hurts. It hurts his scheme and it depresses the scheme. Well, I mean, it makes you maybe not go back to it, even if it's open a second time, you know, how- not, he don't play the hits though. He's not one of them guys, Bobby. Remember no, that? I know. That's true. That's he true. don't play the hits. Hey, let me ask you this. Does worthy go to the portal? I I'll, I'll I want to give my take on this, but I want to get yours, Rod, because I haven't heard it yet. Um, I don't know what he's going to do, um, but I I know that his comment of I'm just playing one game at a time when he's a sophomore, you know that 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 didn't sit right necessarily with a lot of the Texas fan base. At the same time, I mean, what's he supposed to say these days? I mean, I don't know that this is the new normal almost in college football, right? What are you, what are your thoughts on that? I, it's a business, man. <laughs> I, I, I hate, I, I don't like it either. I'm not a fan of it, but I'm sure that he's been told, you know, Hey man, just try to keep your options open. Um, and maybe that's the best way. Not the free market has hit college football for him though. Like I said, focus He's. I'm telling you, I think Xavier Worthy's issue is focus. I don't think he's focused. I'm serious. I think he was focused his freshman year. Because he came in ready to grind. I think he's been distracted, period. I really do. I think that's why the, the drops have increased. And I think that's why some of the stories out there, whether they're true or not, um, that they've gotten a little crazy, too, about X-Men. I think he's got to focus back on ball, man. I really do. Get back to the basics. And, yeah, maybe he is one of those guys that's still looking for a big payday. And God bless him if that's the case, going into the portal to try to figure out what he's worth in the modern free agency, free market of college football. I Man, it don't always help your stats, though. It don't. It don't always help you necessarily get better film. It it doesn't. You know, I mean, he's re, he's regressing right now. I think I'd be focused on that if I was him. Like, yeah, this I'm is good. what Manuel Posada had to say. Jay Witt, Jay Witt was simply healthy. That's the difference. The wide receiver room underperformed. I'm not sure we can deny this. Here's the issue. It's just what we talked about. There were only two. Casey Kane would have been the third. And he really didn't play. I mean, after he dropped a couple, they just they basically went two tight ends the rest of the way. Pretty much. Whether that was whether that was with Jatavian Sanders with with Andre Carriage or Jatavian Sanders with Gunnar Helm. Yeah, and then that's why they went twenty one personnel a lot or, of or two backs. Too. That's right. And they went with the two back sets a lot of times because that, that. So I, just to the what the texture threw in there, you are correct. The, even the, the the I think the coaches recognized they didn't get a lot of progress in that room. So uh, Brendan Marion, in terms of wide receiver development, yeah, I'm sure that you can make that. That's a valid, you know, criticism of him. And I'm a Brendan Marion fan, probably as big as anybody. I've been trying to get him here for a few years. Remember, though, the, one of the reasons you brought him in, you also obviously as a recruiter, too, he's a big-time recruiter, and you also brought him in as a guy that's going to bring that go-go offense, the two tailback sets, which you had a lot of, your most explosive and your most uh, effective personnel package, yards per play, Yards per attempt, completion percentage was actually 21 personnel. A lot of those go-go concepts and schemes. So, yeah, I agree. As a talent developer, we need him to pick it up. But as a guy that brought other things to the table, you know, he's still an asset. Jesse, thanks for your donation. I appreciate it. Uh, Rod and I both do. Um, Hey, uh, one question uh, for you uh, about the running back situation. Uh, Did tonight confirm that Cedric Baxter will be the (laughs) starter next year, if not him, who – I don't wow. think so. Hey, I, I'm going to say this, okay? Jonathan Brooks had like eight 
eight touches and two touchdowns. That's pretty strong. I mean, I had two touchdowns. That, the, the catch and run uh, along the sideline was terrific, I thought. It was. Um, it, was nice. it was a big-time play. Time. I will say this. I think that Cedric Baxter will be – it will be much like it was Bijan and Roshan. It will most likely be Jonathan Brooks and, and Baxter um, because I think they're they're both bigger guys. And, Rod, when you are – when you are Texas right now and you have the offensive line, the young offensive line that they have right now, and they have some road graders, um, Cam Williams, DJ Campbell, uh, Cole Hudson, Kelvin Banks, Neto Omiozu, those guys are really strong run blockers mm. and they're big humans. Okay. Big humans. Like it. I, I think you get a 215 pound running back like Cedric Baxter, 215, 220 from Jonathan Brooks. You're going to ride those guys a little bit. I don't think you're going to go with the the 200 pound guy or the 205 pound guy that runs flare routes. <laughs> no, I, why did okay, as, so, as a base as a base? No, I agree. But why did they start Keelan Robinson? Do we know? Was it really just to keep Keelan Robinson maybe from like leaving or something out of the port? Like, what was the purpose of this? No, I, I think he knows. I think he. I think he's been in game situations all year. But, that's what I think. I mean, I, Jonathan Brooks did not get that much time. That's what I, but time. I, I assume Jay Brooks would get more touches or as many touches as anybody else in the backfield. And I guess I assume. No, well, no, you're not. I assumed that too. Fair, fair, fair discussion. Because I, I thought he was going to get the, the majority of the snaps. And I think he did in practice. But in reality, I think that when game time came, Keelan Robinson you don't. You also don't want to get your quarterback killed um, if you're going to throw it fifty something or forty. Robinson's a better blocker than Jonathan Brooks. He, he's definitely done it more than John, Jonathan Brooks has not played that much. I know. Rod. I, I know, mean, yeah. played in three or four games this year. I think that's, of, of, that's fair. Now you're right. He, he's been with Sark since Bama, so he knows the system. He knows the. I get. Yeah. It. I get. I just. I was very. Unless, and nothing is about feel of the game. I always kind of criticize Sark's feel of the game. Feel the game, man. Running the ball, I would have went like you said, Jonathan Brooks. He made things happen when he got the football. I probably would have tried to see if getting him some more touches made have resulted in some, you know, some more explosive plays. But yeah, well, I mean, he had the the one of the sole or one of the few explosive plays tonight with that uh, touchdown catch. A uh, question from Robert Sanchez: Does Sark need a true OC, or what do y'all think Sark needs to help him out? Because he constantly is getting out coached. I don't know about constantly. Yeah, it's not constantly. It yeah. happens. It happens to all coaches. It happened and it happened tonight. It happens to Nick Saban. It happens to Urban Meyer. It happens to every single one of them. Yeah. But but those guys, the difference is a lot of those guys get to be those guys because they have better players that make up for those mistakes when you well, get out coached. No, and also, I mean. Sark, uh, just to be fair, I mean, he's still close to hovering around being a 500 coach. I mean, I he's not even, it's, he's not near 60% winning percentage. So he's, you know, been on the outcoached side of it more than being the guy that outcoaches the other uh, coach in those crucial situations. And my criticism of Sark tonight, not necessarily um, with what he did with Quinn Ewers. I thought that was great. I thought he got Quinn Ewers comfortable. I thought he got him in a rhythm. You know, he took some deep shots, but they were all calculated. They were calculated deep shots, and I don't think he got you know um, fixated on it like he does sometimes in games. Um, and they spread the ball around, which was also, I think, pretty healthy for the passing game. Not just focusing, trying to feature one player, but um, I would like to see more creativity. Like I said, I didn't see any two multi back sets. We've been seeing that all year long. Didn't see any six O line package. Even Kyle Flood said during the week we was going, oh, you're going to continue to see it because we did that Bama and we did it last year. We're going to do it again. I was like, oh, yeah, you're going to do it again. They didn't do it again. They didn't do it again. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? And I'm with you, Bobby. Sometimes we see concepts that work for Texas in the game and then we never see them again. And I'm like, hey, go run that play that ran, that you ran in the second quarter that worked, right? Play the hits. See if they can figure it out. And I don't think we see enough of that from Sark, too. So I just want to see more creativity from him. Like, I don't remember many targets to motion in this game either. Um, you know, like I said, I I know that he's got it in him 
because I see it in flashes, but I don't see it consistently enough. And I want to see him construct and build the whole offense around his innovation and creativity. He's going to need to do it because without Bijan and Rojo, they're going to need a schematic advantage. And if they don't get it, uh, you're going to see a lot more performances like this. I guarantee you. I talk a little bit about Quinn Ewers. Matt, our producer, Matt Hutchison all year has been our producer. Matt, will you put up Quinn Ewers numbers, please? Um, I want to, I want to say this uh, because I felt like uh, Ewers, we saw some development here. He clearly is more comfortable when you go four wides or three wides than he is as a pro style drop back guy that has to get the ball. I mean, he's just different, right? Um, I thought he did a couple good things tonight that, that weren't necessarily in this box score. The ball where he stepped up and completed one to Worthy on a third down. Scramble drill? Yep. Yeah. Nice job there. He also had a couple of runs for first downs. I I thought those were good. Um, He didn't look – other than maybe the first part of the first quarter, I thought he looked a little hurried in the pocket. But after that, to your point, whether it was Sark that helped him settle down with some play calls – or it was him himself getting in the flow of the football game again? I felt like Quinn Ewers was he a was, was he an A plus today? No, but I think he was a solid B B plus. You, you agree with that grade? He, it, it, I I thought if he'd have got some help, it was winning football. He just didn't get enough help from his friends. Uh, you know, X Man catches a ball here or there. Running game is able to you know provide a little bit of you know, ball control, you know, being able to control the clock a little bit more for him, help him. I think they didn't keep enough drives alive, you know, with help from him. They were too one-dimensional for most of the game. They made life really easy on Washington. Now, Washington's pass defense is one of the worst in the country, um, but I thought if Texas could have had some complement of a running game, man, it would have made his life easier too, and it would have opened up the play-action pass for him. RPO game, I think, would have worked a little bit better for him, and none of that really did. I mean, it was really – um, a great job scheming up easy completions for for Quinn Ewers. Think about, I mean, he had he was thirty one to forty seven. I think it was what seven, six, seven deep shots. They missed them all. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, sorry, the hail mary caught the hail mary. So there you go. That's one. I, I, that's the only one I remember the deep shots. But he took probably six of them that they missed, and that's you know that's half of your incompletions right there, uh, close to it. So I I think that for for Sark he did a really good job of scheming up easy completions for his young quarterback. And like I said, all he needed was some help. He played winning football. Yeah. Um, question, and, and this leads into this, do you think Malik Murphy or perhaps Arch Manning will compete next season? Uh, what about Anthony Hill on defense? Um, look, I think that I don't know that uh, either Malik or Arch will do anything but compete. Um, would be my comment because those guys don't come to Texas to try to sit on the bench. At the same time, Texas has now had almost a full season of Quinn Ewers at quarterback. He finishes by throwing 31 of 47 for 369 as a freshman in a bowl game. Uh, he was your focal point on offense tonight. Th- those, you know, you don't, those training wheels don't come off that easily. You know, and he, I think he's getting to where he's getting them off. Uh, as far as Anthony Hill on defense, Rod, I mean, they clearly need a playmaker on D. So whether that's Anthony Hill or whoever out of this group, um, I, I'm uh, I'm anxious to see it. We saw a lot more of Ethan Burke tonight uh, early in the game, as well as Justice Finkley, uh, too. What do you think about Arch and, and Malik potentially uh, – potentially uh, fighting for some playing time there. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Sark, you know, he says he's going to have an open competition. I'm, Quinn Ewers, I'm sure has the advantage, but I'm sure he'll, you know, have it, you know, as an open competition to see which one of those guys in, is at least going to battle for the backup position um, to Quinn Ewers. And if they can challenge Quinn Ewers for the job and, and none of that will matter because if Quinn Ewers starts slow or struggles early, then the conversation will start all up again about, you know, Malik Murphy or about Arch Manning too. So I think Sark's doing a good job just stockpiling the quarterback room. And you never know how this thing is going to turn out. Trust me, as a guy who lived through the Sims Applewhite years, you have no idea. Hell, do you know that Washington game that Applewhite threw like three interceptions in the second quarter? And everybody was like, oh, damn. 
man, we might have made the wrong decision here. Put that right there. And then Applewhite, in the, I think in the fourth quarter, throws three touchdowns, leads a, a 27-7, I think. Uh, out, we outscore him in the fourth quarter and then end up winning the game. You just never know how quarterbacks can work out. Trust me on that. So just stockpile it. That's all. It's the only answer you got. Yeah, that, that, that Washington game came right after the Big 12 championship game where Chris Sims threw a bunch of interceptions. Exactly. So, yeah, as a defensive player, I can only imagine what you were doing and say, stop throwing it to the other team, dude. Hey, Bobby, that's why we fell behind that game. Talk about not wanting to be there. We thought we should have been playing for the national title because we had already beaten Colorado earlier that year. We had pummeled them. Um, and we thought we deserved to play the national title, even though we didn't because we got whipped by Colorado. And Mac Brown made a crucial mistake before that game. He told us, you know, if y'all win, we get to play the national title. Should have never told him that. I still think he should have kept that to himself. It piped me up, but I don't think it hyped everybody up. <laughs> got, got some people scared, probably. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, this is what I'm talking about. Uh, Texas hasn't had a true war daddy pass rushing DE since Alex Okafor. I didn't, I didn't think he was necessarily a war daddy. He's good. Uh, or Brian Arakpo, Sergio Kendall. I Sergio think belongs in that category. Right. Guys, even even really good pros like Charles Amenahue. Charles Amenahue is making some coin in the league. He is he was not that kind of pass rusher. No, right. Uh, Puna Ford is is making a name for. I mean, he's making a lot of. They, the guys that you're looking at are guys that that, you know, I think Texas is really good on the interior. Like, I think Tavondre Sweat, Keandre Coburn, uh, even Alfred Collins, uh, Byron Murphy, they, they got some guys, right? On the outside, where where were the playmakers? Ovi was not the guy. And Baron Sorrell is a good player. He's just solid. Mm-hmm. And so is solid enough if your aspirations are somewhat different than solid. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you just need – you need a guy on the outside who can 80% of the time win one-on-one battles that basically he can't be blocked one-on-one on the outside. That's what I think a Sergio Kendall probably was in his prime. And maybe a Brian Arakpo was in his prime and Texas hadn't had that in a little long time. And that, by the way, that doesn't make mean you can't play at the next level. Um, but you know, that to be an elite pass rusher at a premium position like that. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what kind of you have to be. I don't think Texas has had that guy in a, you got to be talking about a decade plus. They've had good uh, players out there, though. Really good players. Got to have. Got, yeah. I'm not trying to be. I'm, I'm saying yeah. that they need they need a yeah. difference maker. Uh, I want to say thank you. Different. Yeah. I want to say thank you to our sponsor again. we got a couple more questions we're going to take, uh, but we're coming up on an hour here, post game show. Uh, Texas loses uh, to Washington in the 2022 Alamo Bowl in San Antonio in the Alamo Dome. Uh, the Huskies beat Texas. 27 to 20. I want to thank Laura Baker. Uh, she's an accomplished Austin realtor. Uh, Laura and the Andy Allen team over at Keller Williams uh, can handle all of your real estate needs in and around the Austin area. Whether you're moving to Austin, trying to find an extra place in Austin, you got that kind of money where you can uh, buy one of those new condos downtown, Rod. Maybe that's where you're living soon. But she can handle it for you. Laura at AndyAllenTeam.com. Laura at AndyAllenTeam.com. Laura is a diehard Longhorn fan. Uh, let me tell you, she and I talked about Earl Campbell for about 30 minutes when I first oh. talked to her. Hey, um, Rod, let's go to a couple of questions here. Uh, let's ask this one. Do you think I not wrong one? I got the wrong one. I bring it up the wrong one. <laughs> Hard to evaluate Texas pass rush in this game. UW and Penix just don't take sacks. That is true. Um, they move the pocket extremely well. Yeah. Uh, only five sacks all season. Penix is not a guy also that likes to hold the ball much. Gets rid of it. Um, he he likes to get rid of it. He, he gets antsy feet a little bit. Um, and I'm not saying it was necessarily a bad thing. It's just he, he's one of those guys. So uh, the clock that goes off in your head as a quarterback, it goes off really quick with him. I, th- I mean, Texas pass rush has base, has been consistent all year long. On I mean, they're, they're second in the country in pressures if you look at pro football focus. Uh, but in this game, Washington – they basically they were uh, uh, perfectly compatible, if you will, 
with Texas was pass rush, which is they concentrate on the quick game, get the ball out quick. And if Michael Penix Jr. feels pressure, he has enough functional mobility. He can move around and avoid it and keep the play alive. He has, you know, a great escape ability. And he does the guy that doesn't like to run. He, I think he ran maybe once or twice in this game. Um, and that was actually a little bit surprising because he doesn't run. He scrambles to throw. Um, and they're usually pretty good at the scramble drill. So I thought Texas did a good job of just making him uncomfortable. That's the best you can do with a guy like that. He's got an arm, too. He's got a hose, man. He, he'll throw without setting his feet. And I'm talking about opposite hash type stuff. He's got a gun. Got it. Um, hey, here's one. We really need an animated leader on this team, you know, like Rod. Who do you think will that, <laughs> that will be next season, Rod? Um, your thoughts offense, defense, which way? It, I mean, it's got to be Jay, – Jay's got to be Jalen Ford. has got to be one of those guys. It's got to be Jaron Thompson. Think about being a leader is you've got to be – got to be a baller too right you got you can't be a leader out there calling guys out holding them accountable if you're not performing at a really high level that's just going to cause animosity and tension angst among the crew no if you're going to have pure accountability you got to be balling that's why the guys who would hold me accountable the casey hamptons the core reddings the dd lures a quentin jammer hell those are one of the guys you know nathan basher i remember coming up to me um, because those are the guys who were playing at such a high level that they felt like, hey, I can go talk to Rod, be a starter, and go, hey, man, I need you to pick it up. You can't give up that third and seven and give up that inside leverage. You're better than that. And, you know, we can talk it through, and it's a respectful thing. And, you know, and somebody that got that can pump up the crew, that's got to be a guy that everybody respects. That's just the way it is. That's why, remember, we challenged Bijan last year. You got to be a vocal leader. Remember Bijan? That wasn't him naturally. It's like, Bijan, you got to be a vocal leader, man. Sorry. This team needs it. You're the best player on the team. You also got to be a vocal leader. Now, he may not have been a rah-rah guy. That was Rojo. That was Rojo's job. But still, I think it's got to be the guys that actually lead by example on the field. It's the only way. JT Sanders on offense, maybe. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like apparently, that. Apparently, after that, I did not see this. But apparently, after Worthy's two drops in the second half, uh, Sanders and Worthy had some words on the sidelines, according hey. to the announcers. No clue what was said. But Sanders certainly is a um, outspoken uh, person on the sidelines uh, and uh, has a little bit of fire in his belly yep. when it comes to that. I, you know, the other guy that I think could be that guy is Jordan Whittington. But uh, Whittington, you know, I don't, I don't, I just don't know. It's hard for a receiver to be that guy. It uh, is for a wide receiver. It, it's typically, to your point, it's typically the guys like Roshan that's in the muck, you know, from running the ball or. He's either running or pass protecting. Almost he's a former quarterback too, so he's yeah. naturally feels it. Yeah. That so you're stuff. talking about those guys that are more in line than on the periphery. Can Kelvin Banks do it? Can a guy like that be? I don't know his personality that well. I don't know because I know he's young, but he's hell, man. He's good. He's good. He's no, he's, he's really, good. really talented. I agree with you. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. What, it's one of the, the off-season storylines. We'll definitely be tracking at InsideTexas.com. Uh, but uh, Rod, I feel like um, in all. Texas had a middling performance tonight. Not great, not horrible. Uh, showed some resiliency at the end. Uh, but, you know, Washington probably with the more experienced quarterback uh, executed better uh, over a longer period of the game than the Longhorns. And ultimately, uh, the Huskies win this game. Yeah, uh, I mean, because it's, you still see the growth of this team because we're talking about now, you know, the totality of the entire season. There's a ton of growth. You talk, you brought up all the, the the losses and the one score losses. A lot of them. There's probably two games. Hell, some would say even three. Man, that Texas, they you definitely should have won. I mean, now looking back on it, now looking at those teams and how they finished the season, you were a better team than those teams. And you know, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, hell. Some were saving Bama, but Bama, I think Olar is a better team. But you had that Bama team. You had them. <laughs> um, and Texas got to learn how to close. So I think the 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 lesson next year, or at least for this new group, is going to be, man, how do you close out those games? You got to find a way to win those games. You're in every game because your defense now keeps you in every game. Shout out to Pete Kwiatkowski and Gary Patterson and Bo Davis <clears throat> and Terry Jones for that group. That was a hell of a turnaround on defense. I knew they'd be improved. I had no idea it would be one of the greatest turnarounds for 
a disastrous Texas defense in the history of the program. That was amazing. So they kept them in every game, and it was just the some of the identity issues on offense kind of cost them games, whether it wasn't giving the ball to Bijan and Rojo enough or whether it was the struggles of a young quarterback. Um, you know, eh, that's going to cost you, and we all knew that. going to be growing pains. Um, so Sark's looking about – he's about the long vision. Uh, the long vision is they got to start winning some of these these games in clutch time, in clutch situations. They do. Uh, eight and five on the year. Uh, Rod Babers, thank you for joining us uh, this year in the post-game show. We're going to try to do it again next year. We've already love it, talked about it. Uh, You've been a, a tremendous addition, and I love uh, listening to you uh, talk a Longhorn football uh, and whatnot. Uh, you can also hear Rod on 104.9 The Horn in uh, weekday afternoons. Uh, and also you can see me uh, on Inside Texas or read what I have to write, as well as uh, our writers, uh, Eric Nalin, the publisher of Inside Texas, Justin Wells, Joe Cook, our beat reporter, uh, Jerry Hamilton, Paul Wadlington uh, with his post-game uh, post-mortems, and Ian Boyd, I think, has already posted uh, his uh, immediate thoughts of the nice. game as well. So try us out on InsideTexas.com. Rod, you've been awesome, dude. I appreciate hey, thank you, man. Bro. I All appreciate right. you, man. Hook, Hook him. him.